Welcome to How to Live Podcast with Dr. Chip Dodd, a series to help us see who we are made to be so we can do what we are made to do. Acting is stepping into the mission. Now, this is happening in daily life. Once you become a lingerer, a sharer, and an actor, you're doing daily life like that. Every day in the morning, you begin your day in the lingering. Now, before I get to acting, if we do not spend our time in the lingering, this is what happens. There is a passage in the book of Isaiah, very instructive for daily life, for living. It says, if it was chapter 50, I think verse 10, it says, for those of you who walk in the dark, who have no light, it says, and that's a, that is a terrible condition. That is an anxiety-ridden condition. Now, remember when I said I was lingering in the past and God was saying nothing. I was just journaling, writing, struggling, fighting to keep my recovery because it forward. I knew that I had no place left to go because there's no going back to where I'd been. I, it's like, the, 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 no, I already knew it was there. And so... Uh, even in the midst of that waiting and that pain, it was not dark. It's just that I was clinging. And, and, and I, I knew deep inside to just wait, which was a struggle. But I'd, I'd already had the grasp of I would never be left nor forsaken, which led me to all my questions because it seemed like I had been. So this walking in the dark is an anxiety-ridden, profoundly terrifying experience that is is intolerable. But amazingly, the, the prophet Isaiah says that the answer to the darkness is that to, to call upon the name of the Lord, to have confidence in God and to trust in the name of the Lord, which means you're going to your tent, you're pouring out your heart, you know there's nowhere else to go. But then it goes on to say, but for all of you who light your own fires, go ahead, walk in the light of your own torches but this is what you shall receive from my hand. In other words, this is how life works. You're pushing the ball of the heart underwater, suppressing it instead of letting it come up. It says, you will lie down in torment. And how many of us have lain down in torment and awakened in the morning, if we slept at all, dragging ourselves up to get to, to get up and go to wherever we have to go as quickly as possible, to get whatever we've got to do finished or over with as quickly as possible, to get out of wherever we are as fast as possible, to head towards somewhere else that where we're allowed to somehow isolate or run from or put up with or dread dealing with the next day. So anxiety will be a natural product of not lingering. lingering. And ironically, when we do begin to linger, we're almost always going to have to walk through our anxiety before it is dispelled. So it, 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 the linger raises anxiety temporarily because for those of us who did not sort of grow up doing that, we, we have that hesitation moment like, will you be in the tent today? Will you be there today? Will you be present today? So another passage that, that calls us towards uh, resolving this conflict of that to linger means to possibly be in pain, but to not to linger is to wind up with worse results. There's a passage called in Isaiah 30, 15. 
delivers an incredible uh, message similar to the other one. It, it says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. Now, really hear this on a relational level. Repentance isn't like this sort of Sunday school uh, teaching or this tainted teaching of ugliness. Uh, Sunday school teaching like just change your mind, decide differently. It's like, that's not how life works. Nobody decides differently. We have to be moved towards it and need help with it. Nor is it ugly or grotesque, like a finger pointing in judgment. Repentance really means to be sick of heart and uh, hungry in your loneliness for something else, something more, something better. But you have this whispered inkling that where you're headed is not going to be there. So it's sort of like the heart, you start to understand with your heart and you turn to look for that which is something else. And what's amazing, that passage says, in turning, your heart turning with understanding of its, if it's loneliness, tiredness, pain, and emptiness, it says, come home. That passage says, by turning and moving towards home and resting at that place, is your salvation. Salvation meaning healing. Salvation meaning salve, refreshment. And also salvation, uh, the word for salvation in Hebrew in that passage is Yeshua. Yeshua is, is uh, Jesus. What's amazing is that by coming home, by the invitation of how you're created and the one you created and resting there, you will end up having your healing. Come home. Come home, the passage says, to how you're made, who you're made to be, even though it's very painful at times and difficult, it's going to cause us to linger, and and then finally it's going to cause us not to want to leave because of what happens there. So it's in repentance coming home and resting with the one who does for us what we can't do for ourselves is our salvation which takes us straight to, you know, this isn't a Bible class, but Matthew 11, 28 and 29, when Jesus claims about himself, come unto me, all of you who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will strengthen you and encourage you, uh, give you water and give you bread and raise you up out of your neediness. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it's an amazing irony that through our perceived weakness, which really means putting down our willpower, our hearts are freed up to be released, to be acknowledged, attended to, and attuned with. Well, that passage goes on to say, in quietness and trust is your strength. So salvation comes through coming home, which is like, well, I failed, I've got to go home. But home is where the heart can be restored. And then it says, in quietness and trust is your strength. In solitude and lingering and going to the tent and speaking what's happening and listening for what's being said, we wind up being re-energized. We've been strengthened. Our strength comes through uh, five things that I'll mention at the end of the podcast. But the passage goes on to say, but you wouldn't take it. So, the, the call was clear invitation to come home and linger and gain strength and courage. But it says, but you wouldn't take it. You said, we're going to run away on horses. And the passage goes on to say, we'll get on swift horses and run. And God says, but I'll pursue you. I'll come after you. I'll come to get you, to bring you home. So 
to, to go with you. And wherever you take this, I have the power and presence to be with you and bring you back. And, and so it says, God says, I will pursue you. And the, the passage says, but we'll just get faster horses or run away, run away harder. And God says, I will pursue you there too. And eventually what's going to happen is that you're going to wind up isolated like an Asherah pole uh, on, on a mountain, standing there alone, stripped down to nothing because of you're running away from the hope that you're made to have, from the life you can't control, from the mission and vision that you're made to take a risk of having passion about, that, that you, you will wind up in a place you don't want to be. So that our, quote, defeat of our appearance, our egos, is the beginning of the rise of the true self. So that passage says, so you're going to run off when I'm handing something to you. And it ends with, like I said, that you'll be left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop like a banner on a hill, sort of uh, waving up there, isolated and alone. But then it goes on to say, but God longs to be gracious to you, the ever-pursuing God. Now remember, longing is a craving for something you do not have. So God is craving someone he does not have. He says that God longs to be gracious to you, and that God rises, God stands up and takes action to show us, you, me, compassion. Just like the the the, um, the good Samaritan who went over to where the ditch was and saw that the one who had been beaten, and he had compassion upon the one who had lost heart and had been savaged and thrown away. He was the only one that went to see, and other people looked and did nothing. This person went to see and did everything. And so this God longs to be gracious to us, rises to show us compassion. For the Lord is the God of justice, and blessed are all who wait for God. Look at that amazing uh, uh, conflict and comparison that our anxiety takes us away from lingering robs us of sharing, and then will absolutely create uh, impotence in our actions because our actions are about survival, not about thriving. They're about safety more than they're about risk. So when it comes to action, it means that there's something inside your heart that compels you to be willing to take risks because you're on a mission towards a fulfillment of a vision. So you have to ask yourself, what matters to you that's worth being in pain over. And because whatever that is, is going to be something that's going to require that you and I have strength and courage to be able to step into it. Because the truth is, there is no place we get to in this life, sort of go up on the top of a hill, um, step into the cabin, and There's always plenty of wood and always plenty of food, and we never have to deal with thunderstorms or tornadoes or snowstorms or floods. Our expertise has to be in struggling and struggling towards that which is greater than the reality of what's going on around us. That we're made with created with eternity in our hearts and created to do everything we can to fulfill it here, knowing full well it won't happen. So that means a lot of courage and a lot of strength. So when we take action, 
We, we do so by lingering, sharing, have other people on mission with us. And then to live on that mission, we have to do two or three things. If you're going to take action, it really does mean learning how to daily live. It, it, what does the Lord require of you? It says, it says to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk in humility with your God, which is a, a, a story of, of, uh, of, of everyone's own worth and the expression of it, you know, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And I know, I know it was a failed document. I know we haven't lived it. Case in point is what happened with slavery. At the same time, we fought a war with 600,000 deaths related to that war. And a union was established uh, out of that that is slowly and continuing to be uh, fulfilled. I pray that we remain strong and courageous enough to do it instead of sinking ourselves in um, demands uh, of each other to fix things we can't fix. We have to walk through and be healed first. Anyway, so acting, taking action is uh, living in mission and a vision. It means that you are capable of being truthful with others. You have others who are on mission with you. And to sustain that, you you follow a person who lives with appropriate authority. There's going to be somebody who is in charge of the mission, whether it's you or you are participating in the mission that you're following. And that person that you're following will expect you to speak to them, to be truthful with them, that you do not form alliances against them. You do not go around them. You speak to them. Now, an appropriate authority is a person who actually desires your good, who has put in charge of a piece of the mission, and they're needing you to help them for that to be fulfilled. Now, a person who is a truly uh, a healthy authority, a great example of that is in the movie We Were Soldiers. The Mel Gibson played a, a colonel who was, uh, all these men were headed to Vietnam. I'd love for you to look up the graduation speech. But in capsule, what uh, the colonel says is that we're going into a very challenging place, the valley of shadow of death. You're not going to care where the man came from who's with you. What you want to know is that he's going to stay, that he's not going to leave nor forsake. Will you have his back and he'll have your back? Are you going to show up and attend to each other? Because we've got to stick together in heart to be able to accomplish something. He also says, as an authority, I'll be the first one to set foot on the battlefield and the last one to take it off. He also says, as an authority, I promise you that I'm going to bring you home. I do not, I cannot promise you that you'll be alive, but dead or alive, we're all coming home. And then he says, so help me God. So this is a person who lingered at the tent, who was an authority directly related to someone who served an authority, an appropriate authority is a person who follows an authority and simply delivers the message of what that authority says and has a heart commitment to go do it. Now, if you're going to act, either you are, you are walking in an appropriate authority or you are following that appropriate authority, an action is related to being truthful, that you uh, do not form alliances, you do not break lines of, of commitment and authority, and that is the way that the mission can be accomplished and that you yourself are practicing following Micah 6.8, that you act justly, 
which means you're going to have to go to your tent to continue to find out what the wisest move to make is, that you love mercy, that you are a person who does not judge but walks in compassion, understanding, wisdom, and that you walk humbly with your God. In other words, that you are a person who has been assigned a task because you're believed in, and at the same time, you're meek with your gifted gifts. In other words, you're willing to relinquish them for a, a greater purpose than your own personal profit only. And I say only because there's nothing wrong with profiting. So as we uh, close out uh, this lengthy podcast, which will be, which obviously has been broken into three, linger, go to the tent, share your experience as others will share with you, take action, do whatever you got to do to stay on mission as you head towards the vision, serving the authority that is serving you or being the authority that serves the ones who serve you. And you do that with passion. You do that with intimacy during relationship, wisdom and relationship, and you do it with integrity, which means you remain a person, whomever you are, who goes to the tent to gain your strength and courage. Our strength and courage for people of heart is not self-produced. It is produced through relational connection with God, self with God, self with self, self with others, and others with you. Now, last thing. To do that lingering, I recommend that every single day as you begin to grow into gaining strength and courage for your life, that every single day you start out with five movements. In the beginning, you're only going to do probably one. You start out every day with admission. You're admitting that you're not in control of life and that you do not have power over life. And when you attempt to control life, your life becomes unmanageable. Because addiction is what happens to us when our attempts to control life take control of us. We wind up restless, irritable, discontent, if not just flat controlled by alcohol, drugs, prescription medication, all the things that quell our anxiety because we're incapable of lingering, incapable of depending, which is understandable after many of the things that happen to many of us in our lives. The idea of trust is a foreign concept. So start every day with admission. You can look at the first step in Alcoholics Anonymous. We admitted that we were powerless over blank and that our lives had become unmanageable. It's sort of the experience of the bleeding woman from the book of Mark. Everybody was touching Jesus, but the bleeding woman was the only one who touched him with her heart. And the moment Jesus was touched with the heart, he stopped and said, who touched me? I felt power come out of me. And the people around Jesus were saying, we're all touching you. How, how is it that you're, what are you talking about? He said, but no, someone really touched me. They touched me in a way that my power left me because they were reaching for my presence out of their presence. So admission, admission of powerlessness over life, number one. Number two, you're willing to confess the, the struggle of what it's like to not have power and have to depend effectively, effective dependence upon the God who does. So that is usually journaling anxiety. Are you sure you're going to be here today? It's sort of the struggle we have when, like, for example, somebody calls you, uh, on your phone and you're in a conversation with someone and you have a hard time not picking that phone up to check to see who it is. That That's the abstinence withdrawal 
you know, the ability to stay in confession of how difficult it is to admit powerlessness. Three, the next movement is to, I say, one, you admit powerlessness. Two, you admit the struggle of it. Three, you do, you do what's called surrender as you grow into this. Surrender means to give back over that which you took. In other words, we begin to look at the price that our survival skills, that we paid for to keep our survival skills, our defenses, our control behaviors, our manipulation, our deceit, our, you know, always trying to prove ourselves to other people, approval seeking, appeasing, achievement orientation, caretaking other people, and approvals, uh, people pleasing. These caretake, like I said, I've said it already, but these things uh, we, we are going to continue to surrender. I give back over to you, God, what I took from you and abused. In other words, I give you my gifts that I use to hide behind, and I give you my gifts for you to do for me what I can't do for myself. In other words, instead of making me a personality, make me a lighthouse. So admission, uh, confession slash abstinence, letting ourselves go through the chemical process of withdrawals, then surrender, give back over that which we took. All of us on some level have took our hearts away because of woundings and went and hid our hearts and decided we would do life on our own, vowing never to have to feel hurt again or sad again or lonely again. Well, because of recovery, we come back to a willingness to feel what we've got to feel so we can live in the truth of how we're created so we can have the life we're made to have. So the third movement is surrender. The fourth thing is acceptance. As you get up and go about your day, you're looking out for what God is doing. You do not experience life from the standpoint of what's happening to you. You're looking for an understanding of what life is telling you. Acceptance really means to know that life is not okay, and at the same time, it's okay that it's not okay because that which is driving you from within is more powerful than the struggles and the difficulties outside. That you're keeping hope in spite of uh, facts that would suggest that you uh, let go. You stay in the truth of how you're created and what you've heard in the tent instead of buying into the reality of what's going on around you that looks very separate from what you envision and what your mission is, what your hope is. That you keep believing that, for example, mama, that God made your child beautifully as a feeling, needing, desiring, longing, hoping creature. And sometimes you're not going to have answers for their tears and that you're just going to have to stay with them while they cry them because you can't fix them. Or you're not going to be able to fix the world that hurts your child. You can't straighten out enough people to keep your child from having pain. You've got to stay with the truth of facing how your child is made and help sustaining and supporting that so they can be strong and courageous instead of teaching them that their tears are wrong and that somehow life will not or should not hurt them, which means that they believe something's wrong with them when it does because they're made to feel hurt because they're, they're hoping in a place that's tragic. So then acceptance, you're looking around through the eyes of the heart to look to see what God is doing with your life while your own mission related to your vision. And then lastly, struggle. So the five daily movements, you're gonna grow, you and I grow into these things and then we just simply do them every day. Admission, 
abstinence slash confession, be willing to feel the pain and confess the anxiety of what it is like to trust, rendering back over, surrender, coming to believe that God is going to continue to restore us to wholeness, that we're made for wholeness. In other words, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I know the plans I have for you. Very important to hang on to the relational God of scriptures and cling to the promises. And when you're not seeing the promises being revealed, you do the fifth thing. You you struggle in your admission and you also struggle in daily life. So the fifth thing is struggle, which means you feel your feelings, you tell the truth, you give to the process, and you keep trusting that God owns the process. Struggle begins to become the ability to live a sustained and strengthened courage, even in the toughest times that you may have to just sit down and catch your breath because you're exhausted with um, uh, struggles that are coming against you. But you're able to struggle beautifully because you always know where to go. And as we close, you go to the tent, the place of reconciliation where we are created to gain strength and courage. Strength comes from our trust and our listening after our our outpouring. And that strength and courage comes through relationship with our hearts, using our brains to express our hearts to the one who made our hearts. And through that lingering, we share with others as they do with us, and then we take action directly related to how our hearts are compelled to move towards whatever it is we're made to move towards. Then, every day in that lingering, we practice admission, abstinence slash confession. We practice daily surrender, and then we rise after our prayers, step into the day, living in acceptance, which means that we're going to lose and we're going to gain, and still we're going to fight forward. And then finally, we stay in the struggle, which means feeling your feelings, telling the truth, and giving it to the process, and you remember that God owns the process. In that process, in that whole process, we continue to gain that which we're made to have that allows us to step into the promised land of where promises are fulfilled, but it requires that we've got to fight. So as we wrap up this very long podcast, I'm so grateful to get to do it, so grateful that I am got to be a part of it. And um, last thing, neuroscience has proven that we human beings are wired for relationship, that we are created to find and experience social connection so we can have social contentment, that which fuels the soul that you and I are born looking for who's looking for us. That's neuroscience. Those are the facts. Those are the facts that, have, that, that we have gained over the past 20 years. But those facts point to the most beautiful, uh, fulfilling, ancient truths that have always been so astounding. Even in the old King James Bible, Proverbs 23, 7, As a human being thinks in their heart, so is the person. Already talking on a relational level uh, about neuroscience, and neuroscience is now pointing us back to this book that I've referred to today over and over and over again, because I find, even before neuroscience showed us, that it's telling us the story about how we're made, 
who we're made to be, whose we're made to be, and then what we're made to do. We're created to find our beings first, do related to how we're created, and we'll have what we're made to have. But when we run from our hearts, we wind up doing everything we can, running away from how we're made, so we can have whatever it is we think we can get under our own power. And then we think we're going to become someone who will not have to suffer, will not have to struggle. And we gain our strength and courage by being insulated instead of having a mission and a vision that's greater than ourselves. So God bless you and thank you. And let us stay on the ancient paths, even if we use neuroscience to point towards them. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you.